2: you're tuned in to oilers nation every day with tyler uramchuk live every
1: weekday on the nation network youtube
0: the polls are closed the votes have been counted and the official news desk of oilers nation every day is calling the race leon dreisaitl has been re-elected the mayor of smashville Thanks to his five-point performance on Tuesday night. Let's get into it with the lead. The entire city of Nashville now required to call Leon Dreisaitl daddy after he once again just steamrolls them, just absolutely dominates them. It wasn't even close. Five points for Leon Dreisaitl. The Oilers have won their fifth game in a row, but 29. I mean, McDavid was amazing. Evander Kane got a hat trick. Everything was great, but Dreisaitl is the big story, and that's where we're going to start today on Oilers Nation every day, live on the Nation Network YouTube channel, where I see the chat is alive and well. We're also live on the Oilers Nation Twitter and Facebook, and always, as always, we're coming to you live from the Sports Closet Studio, where we got our items of the week here, this beautiful Zach Hyman jersey. He was pretty solid last night. Wasn't dry saddle McDavid Kane amazing, but he was good. And then we also got this nice retro hoodie. We got the black and orange hat as well. You can find it all at sportscloset.ca. Yes, Electronic Jordan, I'm rocking the Phillies hat. As a shout out to our Philly boy, Frank Saravalli, who'll be joining us in about 10 minutes time here on the show. There is a ton we're going to get to with Mr. Saravalli. But first, I want to dig in to last night's game. Yes, Leon Dreisaitl, absolutely spectacular. Alex, we'll flash up that graphic anyways. It says last night versus Pittsburgh, but we know it was last night against Nashville. I, uh, That's whatever. Uh 2307 for Leon Dreisaitl in that hockey game. One goal and four assists. Three shots on net. Connor McDavid, eight shots on goal as well. He finds the back of the net twice. Liam, I want to get your take on that hockey game. Leon Dreisidel, just spectacular. That backhand pass was absolutely disgusting. That was a very, very entertaining victory.
2: Yeah, I think as soon as he uh, he made that pass in the first period to Evander Kane, he's like, okay, Leon Dreisidel is uh, is here to here to make some stuff happen tonight, and the rest yeah. of the Oilers kind of followed him in that f- after the. After he did that, and they went on, what was it four one after the first period? I think they slowed down a little bit, but Drysaddle said mm-hmm. in his in his post games that like, sometimes when you get out to those big leads, you just kind of kind of let the game just continue to flow, and you don't have to put on too much pressure and all that kind of stuff. But overall, like pretty dominant performance for the for the Oilers against a, a weaker Nashville team from what we've seen in many years past now.
0: Yeah, we're going to talk to Frank about this Preds team a little bit. They're now 1-6-1 and since they came back from Europe, and I can't help but wonder if John Hines is maybe on the hot seat a little bit there. But yeah, last night, I mean, I tweeted after Dreisaitl got his first point. I said, Dreisaitl continues his straight-up dominance of the Preds, 17 points in their last seven meetings. And then he would eventually bring that number up to 21 points in their last seven meetings. Um, He just dominates them. It's ridiculous. I can't think of another matchup in the NHL where one guy just continually runs over the same team over and over and over again. It was unreal. Um, The other big story from last night was Connor McDavid finding the back of the net two more times he added to his NHL lead in goals he now has 11 in 10 games and I asked people on Twitter just how long can Connor McDavid continue to roll at a goal per game pace well the answer is it's gonna be until at least the end of the next game because even if he's held goalless tomorrow night against New Jersey it'll be 11 goals in 11 games and the responses to that tweet uh, they were hilarious but Like, realistically, Liam, what are we looking at here? Like, is this a guy who can score 25 goals in his first 25 games? Like, I think the idea, and I saw some people being like, ooh, 50 for 50 watch, that's probably not going to happen, even though I don't want to be the one to doubt Connor McDavid. But the way he's rolling right now, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if this streak reaches 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 games.
2: No, me neither. And, I mean, he's he's Connor McDavid at the end of the day. Like, he's more than capable of – doing yeah. what everyone else can't do in this league so if anybody's going to do it it's going to be him I I feel like the 50 goal mark this season is something he's going to accomplish quite easily to be honest
0: yeah I I think the 50 goal mark is going to be very easily attainable uh, He had eight shots on goal in the game last night and I saw some people and I I thought this too actually it was like man it feels like he wants to shoot the puck a lot more this year. So I went and I dug into the numbers a little bit. So far this season, at even strength, Connor McDavid is uh, he's, he's at 7.05 shots per 60, according to Natural Statrix. So for every 60 minutes he's on the ice, he's shooting the puck about seven times. That number's actually low based off of the rest of his career. Last season at even strength, he was at 9.75 shots per 60. The year before that, 8.49. The year before that, 8.24. Where he's actually shooting the puck more, and I find this absolutely fascinating, is actually on the power play, where in the past, Connor McDavid would, you know, he'd be the playmaker, right? He was trying to find dry Seidel. He was trying to find Hyman in front of the net. Last season... On the power play, 15.91 shots per 60 by McDavid. This year on the power play, 24.77, up almost nine shots per 60 with the man advantage. And the correlation here is that his production on the power play in terms of a per 60 rate is actually going through the roof as well. 8.86 8.86 was his points per 60 with the man advantage last year. And that Oilers power play was damn good last season. His career high in terms of points per 60 on the power play before this season was 10.37 back in 2019, 2020. This year, he's up to 13.76. And what I think this will do, and you made this point yesterday, we or, and Jay talked about this as well. It was one of our discussion points. Him shooting the puck. Gives the power play a totally different look. Him shooting the puck forces defenders to respect his shot more on the power play. And I think we saw that with the goal that made it 5-1 yesterday. In years past, McDavid doesn't shoot that puck. He tries to go and set things up and see if they can get the cycle going. But what he does here is he just, as soon as he gets it, he's thinking shot more often. And even if at even strength, it's not resulting in his shots per 60 going up, on the power play, him having that mentality is going to force opposing teams to have to game plan for it. And I think that's going to only help the Oilers' power play and their production with the man advantage go even more through the roof. Agree, Liam?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's he's a threat, isn't he? And now adding that extra element to his game just yep. adds a little extra more to this Oilers team. And now it's not just about, oh, well, we got to look out for Dreisaitl on the other side of the ice there when they try and do the cross-scene pass. It's like, well, no, McDavid is now a threat too. And also to add into that, like Nugent Hopkins is becoming more of a threat as well on the power play. Like Evander Kane's coming in. like Everything's just kind of like building together. And I think a big part of it is like you said, like the McDavid just being able to give more people space because he's adding more threats to his game, which is just crazy to say for a guy that has been so arguably, if not even arguably, the best and most threatening player in it, the NHL for years now.
0: And I actually think his goal as well, like we talk about teams changing up how they view McDavid, even goalies changing up how they view McDavid, that goal. Uh, his five-hole one on Soros. I think that's a direct result of Soros cheating a little bit. Like you can tell, it's a two-on-one, it's an odd man rush. And McDavid just kind of has his blade open like he's thinking pass. And that's what opens up Soros' five-hole. So again, McDavid scored goals of that fashion before, but I think we'll see even more of them. That happened against Chicago when he slid that one five-hole two. He's so good at just waiting, waiting, waiting to the point where the goalie thinks, okay, well, he must be thinking pass here. He's running out of time, he's running out of space. And then, boom, he slides at five holes as soon as the legs open up. So um, another incredible night from McDavid. We're going to talk to Frank about that when he joins the show as well. But McDavid shooting the puck more on the power play is the big trend emerging so far this season not that we ever want to nitpick victories when the oilers managed to get two points but there's a couple comments in the chat one from electronic jordan who i met this weekend down in calgary that was a lot of fun he says tyler what do we do with soup another night of subpar save percentage and goals against average but another victory yeah campbell last night 19 for 23 that's not good save percentage 826 not good goals against four not good but he gets the win again. And it seems like, or not seems like, it's a fact that when Campbell's in net, the Oilers are winning more than they're losing. He's 5-2-0 through seven games this season. But his goals against average is 3.91. His save percentage is 8.81. I, didn't, I wasn't a fan. I said that on the show yesterday. I wasn't a fan of him starting that game last night. I, in the end, it didn't matter because they scored seven goals. Even if you take out the empty net, they scored six goals. Their offense carried them to that victory. But you have another guy whose numbers are like just way on the other end of the spectrum here in Stuart Skinner, who's got the 1.59 goals against average, the 9.55 save percentage. He's been unbelievable. And I maybe understood where people were coming from yesterday. Jay made this point, too, that Nashville's a weaker offense. You give Campbell the start, see if he can find his form a little bit, and then you use Skinner on, on Thursday and Saturday against two tougher teams in New Jersey and then Dallas. And I think that absolutely has to be the play now. You gave Skinner or you gave Campbell one more run at it, tried to let him get his confidence back. He let you down again. He what and it's it's almost getting frustrating at this point. Like it'd be easier to break this down and have this conversation if Campbell was giving up weak goal after weak goal and was on like a Mike Smith, Miko Koskinen style cold streak where anyone could sit there and watch the goals going in and go, gotta stop that. The problem with campbell is that the goals that are going in aren't like terribly soft there was one last game that i looked at and was like "Eh, yeah that wasn't great but he's making some big saves at points he's not giving up terribly weak goals but these numbers are just brutal you need to give skinner the ball for a while here and again I went on this rant i've gone on this rant a handful of times now i still believe campbell's probably the guy come playoff time if you made me bet i would i would go with that and i said at the beginning of the year there's going to be a stretch where campbell sputters and skinner takes over as the guy we saw last year he was probably more than capable of being the guy for those stretches when smith was hurt they just wanted to favor koskinen skinner was the odd man out turns out maybe that was the right play for his development for him to go back down to bakersfield when you look at how he's playing right now um, I didn't expect the 10-game run where Skinner's the starter to be this early in the season. I had higher hopes for Jack Campbell, but I think it's it's clearly after last night. I said this before last night. It's clearly Stuart Skinner's net right now. It needs to be Stuart Skinner's net. I think you send a bad message if you don't treat Stuart Skinner as the starter until he loses this job. And I get you paid Jack Campbell lots of money. He's going to be here for the next five years. I Believe he'll take back the net at some point, but the way Skinner's playing with some matchups against good teams coming up, you need to roll with Stu. It's Stu's crease until he loses it. Liam, am I insane for that rant? Am I insane for thinking that for the next 10 games you just need to roll with Skinner as your starter? Give him seven of those games.
2: No, I I don't think so. We spoke about it on O and R yesterday, too. I think. I think Skinner should have started that game last night. To be honest, like he earned, he earned the yep. spot and the opportunity to have that game against the Nashville Predators. And now we're looking at a situation where our supposed starter didn't have another good game. Like he played fine, but every single time we we talk about him, like you said, we we look at these goals and we think, well, that one wasn't really his fault. Neither was this one. Neither was this one but here we are with an 826 save percentage it's just yeah. it's it's such a weird argument to have because he's not necessarily losing he's not losing the other games at all and but five and to two. the other point is yeah exactly but Stuart skinner is just he's doing such a good job when he's been called upon like the calgary game when he came in even the buffalo game that he played he played very well in that game and the always just got goalied by eric Comrie and then you know, and now here we are with New Jersey and Dallas coming up and we're looking at Stuart Skinner being like, okay, well, show us what you can do now. This this is his crease, in my opinion, to lose at the moment. Like, I'm, I'm not writing Jack Campbell off by any means, but he's not stood there and been like, okay, this is my crease. This is my team. This is my time to take it over. And I think we'll eventually see that Jack Campbell. I think he'll be fine. But yep. for the time being, it's Stuart Skinner's job to lose, in my opinion
0: if we have a short for giant game day edition of the show tomorrow, and it's not Stuart Skinner as the starter, I will be stunned, especially with like Nashville's offense is not good. They're averaging like what? Two point something goals a game, or at least they were coming into last mm-hmm. night. And then you got Dallas who just popped home five last night. The devils popped home five on Vancouver Two much better offenses rolling into Rogers place to finish out this, uh this quick little homestand here. So I, I think it'll be skinner for the next two games here electronic jordan i don't think it's okay to move to a 65 35 in favor of Stu yet and i think that's fair but he says i'm ready to move to 50 50 and i guess that like when we were given our predictions for how many games each guy plays we all kind of said like hey 50 is probably the sweet spot for campbell 50 to 55 in that range and skinner's gonna pick up the other 30-ish games and right now they're kind of on that pace so maybe this should have been expected and this is what a 1a 1b tandem kind of looks like um in the nhl and most teams kind of run that way so um yeah that that's the one area to nitpick from last night because Connor mcdavid was sensational leon dreisaitl showed why he you know is known as the best backhand passer in the nhl with that beautiful first goal and then before they could even uh not that one i guess the second one was beautiful then before they could finish announcing that it was 3 1 Oilers in the game at that point. It looked like it was going to get out of hand. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about that and about, uh, oh, we'll chat some World Series as well with Philly's finest, Frank Saravalli.
2: Selling a little or a lot?
0: Steven in the chat says, Tyler, that's a sick hat. I agree. It's one of the best vintage throwback looks in all of sports, the Philadelphia Phillies. Frank Saravalli was in the building for Game 3 of the World Series. What was that like last night?
1: Pretty awesome, man. Since you are a fan of the retro look, I have a little scoop for you. Phillies expected to wear their powder blues Game 5 World Series Thursday night.
0: That is unbelievable. You think they're maybe hoping that uh, that's the
1: iconic images, is them in their powder blues lifting a certain trophy? I mean, they did beat the Houston Astros in the NLCS in 1980, I believe, wearing their powder blues. And I wonder if you could get some powder blue apparel at the Sports Closet Studio. Oh, you absolutely know you can, Frank. They got everything at sportscloset.ca,
0: and they do ship across Canada as well. So if anyone is well, watching and wants way. to get some that Phillies game, we might we might have some Phillies fans watching. You never know. Uh, while you were enjoying the Home Run Derby last night at Citizens Bank Park, Oilers fans were at Rogers Place enjoying the goal outburst from Connor McDavid. He's now up to 11 on the year. What are we talking about with this guy this year? Like 50 goals? It feels like 50 goals is going to be a lock now. Do you think
1: he's got enough to hit 60? I do. I mean, I just look at the ease with which he scores and also, frankly, how you know they come in bunches. I mean, you look at last year, and that's kind of the amazing thing if you break down his 44-goal season. He had six two-goal games and one hat trick. He's already got two hat tricks and a bunch of two-goal games now. Last year he sort of did it one one he did a death by a thousand cuts the hard way one 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 all the time it felt like, and in this case it's just it's he's crushed it and it feels like this is his game in general so much of what he does because he's almost always in the right spot his speed allows him and create uh, generates and creates different opportunities than than mere mortals in the NHL that a lot of it looks effortless. And so, so many of them are just kind of tap-ins. And even when he's scoring off the rush, you can see with the speed, not just how nervous defensemen are when you see their, their skates moving like a duck underwater, but also goaltenders. Like how many of his goals that you see off the rush, they look easy because they're expecting something crazy and incredible that they're just, they're mentally tapped out by the time he gets to the net.
0: Yeah, I mentioned that, uh, like that goal on Soros last night, where he just kind of stands there, waits. I think everyone in the building, including UC Soros, is thinking pass, and then as soon as Soros cheats, even just a little bit, bang, in through his five hole. It's crazy. This. This added shooting element, I think, is gonna really change the way teams are forced to play him and that could make him even more productive. I saw you were waiting oh, below. Wait, when wait I was a second. Doing... Hold
1: on. I wanna stop you there. But that's that's we don't I don't think we appreciate that part of McDavid's game enough, you know, that someone so good at the best player in the world has set targets and goals that he wants to continue to work at. He had said three years ago heading into the offseason, I want to become a better shooter. I want to shoot more. I want to score more goals. This has been something that he's been working towards for the last number of years. And you see the uptick in the production of goals. What's the realistic and reasonable target and expectation? You said is 60 possible. I say why not? I have him somewhere between 55 and 58 goals. And with the slow start for some others, he may be a really good bet to win the Rocket Richard.
0: We talked about that last week on the show. He was plus 450 at that time to win the Rocket Richard, And with the lead he kind of had on some other key players. I know there are other players around the NHL off to great starts right now, but you compare him to like a Matthews, right? Who's only got the three so far this year. Yeah, I feel like he is a really, really good bet to win the Rocket Richard. Um, The goaltending debate in Edmonton is a hot one right now. Stuart Skinner's just playing unbelievable. You had him as your third goalie on your very early 2024 World Cup projection. Kind of take us through that.
1: Yeah, so keywords very early. It's still 16 months away and a lot could happen, but that's kind of the point of the project, right, is to project out as to who around the National Hockey League may be in a spot to, you know, continue to level up their game. And of all the goaltenders, uh, uh, you know, probably the weakest position on Canada's roster, there's an opening there, and I think Stuart Skinner, at least in a very small sample size in the NHL, his numbers have consistently been really good. And I, I heard a lot of your, your rant and your debate, and I, I understand it. Right now, my take is the Oilers should just ride the hot hand. Like, whoever is going at that time, the goal is to get wins. We're not in the business of, you know, making people feel good. And if Jack Campbell's upset about playing time, well, then play better. You, just because you have a contract and it's five years, five million bucks, doesn't mean that you get the crease. You have to earn it. It should be a meritocracy. And frankly, I think everyone on that Oilers roster from top to bottom, from McDavid all the way down to whoever's at the bottom, pull a Yarby or pick a player, they'd all agree that mm, that's what it should be, the meritocracy. So if Skinner's hot, ride him. And if Campbell's hot, ride him. And if neither are, well, then flip a coin.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely bang on with that. Uh, moving away from Edmonton, let's go into the team they beat last night, the Nashville Predators, who are now 1-6-1 and since returning from their Europe trip where they beat uh, the San Jose Sharks in back-to-back games overseas. There's a lot of talk around the hockey world about, ooh, Sheldon Keefe on the hot seat and all that. I feel like John Hines' seat might be even hotter with the way things are going in Nashville.
1: Hard to say. I mean, David Poyle has been in the chair for 39 out of the last 40 years, and he's hired exactly six coaches. I mean, he's had given these guys a pretty long leash. And unless there's some expectation that, I don't know, Barry Trotz is going to come back into Nashville for his former boss and, and take over the reins of a team that's really not in the Stanley Cup conversation, I don't see it happening. Um, So unless there's some really special combination out there or unless the wheels completely fall off in Nashville, look, far be it from the Preds to be the first team, if this were to happen, to fire their coach after their team, their goaltending has fallen apart. That happens really quite frequently. That's usually the reason why a coach gets fired. but. Does anyone really think that UC Saros is going to continue on the season with a sub nine hundred save percentage? I'd imagine at some point he bounces back. The rest of it has looked okay. Like will Matt Duchesne and and will Philip Forsberg and and um, Ryan Johansson will those guys continue to produce at the pace that they did last year? They're almost all at a point per game, you know, with the exception of Johansson, who was a bit further back last year. So, I like. Are there flaws for sure? Is the roster constructed um entirely properly in terms of depth? I, I think the answer is no. But I, I just they relied so much on Soros last year. I'd imagine he gets at least back, you know, in the game at some point here in the next couple weeks.
0: What would happen in Toronto if they lose at home to the Philadelphia Flyers
1: tonight? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this is, so we had this conversation on daily face off live today. Right. And it was like, if you really are going into this saying Sheldon Keefe's job is on the line, if they lose to the flyers, he's getting fired. Like, haven't you already made up your mind? Like if, if you really are going into this saying, you know, same thing, like, well, you know, what about Kyle Dubas and his job in the last year of his contract? Like, I think everything about the Leafs has been playoff-focused. And yes, you need to get there, but by no means are they even anywhere close to being out of the picture. They're like literally two wins away from almost leading the division. So as ugly as the process has been to this point, it feels like everyone should take a deep breath and, and turn down the temperature. But the problem is Sheldon Keefe, if you listen to him, has sort of been the guy ratcheting it up right from opening night, which is weird yeah. because they had a really good preseason.
0: Super weird. Like, again, I keep looking at it, and I was laughing with some people yesterday in the office. Like, they are 4-4-2. Four, four, and two. That's not terrible. If, and they're a team that's fully capable of getting hot and going on a nice run. Like, if they went back-to-back games, you're sitting there being like, oh, well, everything's kind of fine. But I do think that's a good point about Keith. Like, it feels like he's been more than willing to add fuel to the fire and that just has been really confusing as well because usually a coach should want to go out there and take the heat off his players right and kind of stand there and be a shield in these situations kind of a little bit like we saw in Vancouver for a bit but Keith seems
1: to want to do the opposite and be like hey don't look at me look at all of our superstars come on I think that speaks Tyler to the total pressure that this organization is feeling from Mm -hmm. you know management president on through the players like It feels like everyone knows that so much is riding on this season that they're cracking under pressure in October and November that doesn't really kind of exist except in their own heads.
0: Yeah. Uh, The last area I wanted to hit on with you was the guy who's right behind Connor McDavid in the NHL goal race right now, and that's Eric Carlson, who's playing like he's back with the Ottawa Senators. What number would the Sharks have to bring his $11.5 million salary down to for him to have like substantial trade value
1: around the league? It's a good question because there are four full seasons remaining beyond this one, but So much of what we've seen from Carlson and if you take a deep dive on the underlying numbers last year, it was actually really quite an impressive season. He played really pretty well. So Burns is gone. He has more opportunity at ice time and we're in a spot where, well, do you have to knock it down to 8 million bucks, 7 million bucks? Where's that sweet spot that exists where the Sharks, who are clearly heading towards a rebuild, even though they went into this season thinking that they could be competitive, not sure why since it's basically the same group that's been there for the last three ro- lottery runs. Now, what like what can you get in return even if you bump it down to $7 bucks, And then what does it look like if it's at $8 bucks? I would happen to think with the cap increasing now, that the sharks actually have a pretty decent asset on their hands to move at some point, um, but the problem too is, and I forgot to mention this on Daily Faceoff Live, is Eric Carlson holds all the cards. That's really the big issue with a lot of the guys on the Sharks that they'd like to potentially try and move, is they hold all the keys. And so think back to Brent Burns; he could allow a trade to one of three teams, and. He eventually worked something out with Carolina, but I think for a little bit it was like touch and go as to whether or not it would end up happening. So that's the big thing with Carlson moving forward. I would think he'd have to be of some use to a contending team given his offensive nature.
0: Again, I was joking with some people the other day about this Carlson thing, and it was like, well, what teams around the league are like looking to push and are in a competitive window and could use like a good offensive demon? And we kind of laughed and we were like, Ottawa could kind of use that. They got the financial flexibility. They've been looking for a D-man and chicken, but that's, it's just kind of funny how that all works, right? Ottawa sells them off, San Jose wants to win a cup. And now the two are flipped and it's like, ah, that's an interesting little thing. (laughs) That would be pretty, I mean, be an amazing story, wouldn't it? Right, and yeah, uh, anyways, uh, Frank, appreciate the time today. Uh, We'll chat again next Wednesday. Sounds good, have a good one, Tyler, thanks. All right, let's get to the wrap today because we are running out of time. I sat and I swore at my TV as another empty net goal and power play goal parlay managed to hit. So with that we'll bring in Liam who has a smirk on his face. I don't know how you keep doing this. I don't know how this bet keeps hitting, and I'm angry about it.
2: It's for the love of the game. The fans <laughs> the fans get what the fans deserve, and we all love seeing those empty netters going. Hopefully they're just in favor of the Oilers more often than not, but the uh, last night, Ryan Nugent Hopkins zero shots on goal. I there was so many guys who had like seven, eight, nine shots, and Nuge got a big old zilch. But that's okay. We hit the uh, we hit the Oilers money line, so we went one for one last night, and only two games on the NHL schedule tonight. So a bit of a light one. I'm going with my heart a little bit on this one. I'm gonna go Austin Matthews goal against philadelphia eventually like frank said like toronto is right there that actually they're on a bit of a cold streak obviously but a couple of wins and they're right back in this run i think austin matthews is gonna be a big part of them getting it back together and he's been cold too only three goals this season but he scored in his last game so i think you'll get another one tonight so we'll go with the anytime score on austin matthews and then the buffalo sabers minus 106 at home on the money line against pittsburgh they've been pretty good at home recently only lost two games at home this season and I believe, six games. So Buffalo's a good team. They won their last game 8-3 against Detroit, and uh, Pittsburgh's been on a long road trip since they were in Edmonton last Monday, and they're still on that road trip. So maybe a little fatigue on the Penguins, too. So I'm going to go with they Buffalo last tonight night too. to win on the money line. Yeah, exactly. So Casey DeSmith is in goal for Pittsburgh, yeah. who hasn't won a game yet. Good goalie, but hasn't won a game yet this season. Yeah. Uh,
0: I love that Matthews price, by the way. If you can still get that at minus 125 on Betway, I've seen some books have it up to like minus 170. Minus 125 is an auto bet for Matthews on the anytime goal score. Mm -hmm. Uh, I laid out today on the daily faceoff or on daily faceoff live that he's been statistically one of the most unluckiest players ever in the NHL. He is due for a big night. I'm actually taking him over a point and a half at plus 130 and that's my my only recommended bet. I don't hate that Penguins play, but that team should be quite frankly pissed off and motivated tonight after blowing another lead and losing again last night they dropped a 6-5 ot decision to the boston bruins i went one and two last night on my nhl bets. so looking for austin matthews to lead me to a little bounce back um electronic jordan just like obj is a good fit with the giants yeah like it's just weird right you go through teams that could potentially be a fit for eric carlson and it's like ottawa makes sense pretty much no one else makes sense maybe like the la kings would go after a guy like that but they don't even have that much financial flexibility i'm not sure if they can make it work the list in a weird way almost begins and ends with the ottawa centers maybe detroit as well they're a team looking to make a push seattle kraken maybe is like more of an off-season team as well that i could maybe see wanting to like go grab a guy with some big name brand or with a with big name value um but there's not a lot of teams out there that I think will be lining up for Eric Carlson. But what a bounce-back season he is having right now. Uh, that's going to be a wrap for today's show. We went a little late from the Sports Closet studio. As always, sportscloset.ca is where you can check it out. Yeah, pick up a nice little Phillies lid as they look to march their way to a World Series. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with a short for giant game day edition of the show. Myself, Jay, Liam, everyone will be stopping by to get set for a matchup against the Devils. Could the Oilers make it six in a row? We'll give our take on all of that and more tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in. Happy Wednesday. Chat on Thursday.